0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Let's Get Radical is brought to you by Avalera, sales tax automation for businesses of all sizes. Visit us on the web at Avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. Welcome to the business show that will change the way you look at your business practice, your organization, and yourself. This is Let's Get Radical with Liz Gold and Jody Paydar. On today's show, you'll get the straight scoop on what it means to be radical and how it can help you become the next success story. Now, here are your hosts, Jody and Liz.
2: Hey Liz, are you ready? Oh, Jody, you know I am. Let's do this. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And we're talking about um, I think a person who usually gets a bad rap in business, and those are attorneys. Can you believe that we're talking about attorneys today?
3: Oh, wow. I, you know, I actually have a lot of attorneys in my family. So I, you know, I I I know that they're good people, <laughs> but they do <laughs> they do get bad raps. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to learn all about attorneys and, and actually how this
2: particular attorney helps accountants. So it's pretty exciting, huh? Well, I think it is. And, and I think it's also to think about it from the perspective of even though like everyone likes to, to diss attorneys, and, and they, but they really do serve their purpose and they do have um, an impact place in your business and if you don't have one um, that's when there's a problem right it's like it's it's like when there's a problem that's when you need the attorney but you needed the, that attorney um, you know a year before right and so mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we don't think about that and it's not until after the fact that all of a sudden we're like oh we should have done that differently so, right.
0: um,
2: so right. it's so important to have someone who um, is familiar with the law as part of your or as part of an extension of your team Um, but today we have an accountant focused attorney. So, um, he actually (laughs) likes CPAs and, uh, (laughs) our guest today is Peter Fontaine and he is the founder and managing partner of Newgate law and they provide legal and risk management services exclusively to the accounting industry. Um, and he served as chief chief legal counsel for accounting firms for nearly two decades. Wow. Yeah. And before Newgate, he was part, uh, well, he was part of RSM, which is McGladry. So he was general counsel there. And even before that, he was part of Anthony Of Arthur Anderson before it fell. So um, so, yeah, so Peter has quite the extensive accounting industry experience and he's been dealing too with all these mergers and acquisitions and also like the changing way that CPAs are starting to work differently in their practice structures. So um, I think he's going to be an awesome guest. So without any further ado, Peter, thanks for being here.
4: Thanks for having me, Jody and Liz. I appreciate the time.
2: Awesome. And so,
4: yeah, you know, it, 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 you can't think of two more exciting professions than accounting and law, <laughs> right? Uh, it's, uh, it excites me too sometimes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I, I have to ask you, how did you get into accounting? Because I mean, obviously, your practice—you you solely work with accountants—and we're, we're going to talk about that. But what I'm really fascinated sure. about is that you spent two decades working in accounting firms as as their your their legal counsel, and so how did that happen? How did you
4: end up down that road? Well, probably totally by accident uh, before yeah. <laughs> I started working at Anderson in uh, well twenty some years ago uh, I was a general counsel of a professional services division of a very large computer manufacturer, digital equipment corporation, now out of business. Uh, probably don't want to work wherever I work because a lot of them are out of business. Uh, but in any event, they Anderson was looking, and I did a lot of work in most of the systems integration area, uh, but also change management and program management. And Anderson was looking for a senior-level lawyer that had some experience uh, not only in systems integration but just in the professional services industry, and they uh, made me an offer I couldn't refuse to leave beautiful, New England and come to wonderful Chicago, Illinois, uh, mm. and I liked it, and I kind of stuck with it for after, as so you mentioned, Jody, after Anderson uh, collapsed, uh, and I was a partner there, and that was a really nice experience economically. Uh, it, after that, I went over to uh, be general counsel of McGlider. They were looking for a, a lawyer, and uh, I joined them and was there for quite a few years, and then I decided I wanted to do something different, uh, so I started Newgate, which is... Mm-hmm. To some extent, is a radical uh, accounting firm. I mean, a, a law firm because we only focus on the accounting industry. I don't think there's anyone else in the country that actually does that. And our model was, as Newgate suggests, you know, to be different than your typical law firm. Uh, not only just to, not only to be lawyers uh, specific to the accounting industry, but also to practice in a, a different way—a uh, very practical, affordable, uh, with deep experience not only being lawyers to accounting firms but also actually being partners inside of accounting firms and knowing the good the bad and the ugly uh, th- that exists there
3: speaking of the good bad and the ugly i what what kind of issues did you see while you were still inside accounting firms as a legal counsel cuz i definitely want to get to your business and we're going to talk about that but i'm just sure. like i'm fascinated because you're here you are a legal counsel you're a lawyer within an accounting firm What are you seeing? What are they dealing with? What are they coming to you? Just for people who may not know.
4: Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, we did a lot of the usual stuff, you know, the M&A work uh, and the Mm -hmm. litigation work. But I would say, too, you know, what we saw uh, mostly was the economic pieces of it. You know, how to control expenses, how to increase partner compensation, um, and how to deal with uh, you know problem situations, and oftentimes those problem situations were uh could be at the business unit level, so for example, if you have an office in someplace in North Dakota that has very, very low margins, Uh, do you want to keep that business? And if you don't want to keep that business, how do you get rid of it? Or uh, in addition to personnel kind of problems, you've got partners who may not be making the grade, and how do you deal with those situations? So uh, it sort of ran ran the gamut, but a a lot of it, again, was uh, just with the business issues of making decisions about investments and how to improve margins and control expenses as well as growing revenue.
3: And and so when did you start Newgate?
4: I started Newgate about four years ago in September.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, and you knew that That's you wanted sp- to focus right, specifically on accountants, because that was your experience, and you wanted to open your own practice.
4: Yes, exactly. You know, and I, I, people always ask me, so why did you do it? Uh, and my answer sometimes is because I want to be highly intelligent and lazy. Uh, <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I spent. But uh, sort of tongue in cheek, of course, uh, (laughs) as opposed to dumb and hardworking. So uh, you know, I I knew a lot about it, and I obviously, but knew a lot about the accounting industry. And what I saw was even with the law firms that I dealt with when I was in house, you know, a lot of them, for the vast majority of them, had very little experience when it came to. Accounting, the accounting industry, and clearly none of them had ever worked inside of the accounting industry. And I saw this as a huge opportunity, from a, also from a business perspective, but also to you know to contribute something I think is valuable to the accounting profession, which uh, I know it's going to sound weird, but I've come to know and love. And uh, <laughs> you fit right in. You like I, the squirrely bunch. <laughs> uh, uh, people often ask me. Uh, if I'm a CPA and I and I say no, uh, as I said before, one boring profession is enough. And then, uh, secondly, uh, you know, I'm kind of like a dog and its master. After a while, the dog starts looking like the master. So uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you, you kind of absorb it by osmosis after a couple of decades of doing this stuff.
3: So, what are the areas you work? In mostly, like in terms of when you're working with accountants, what are the main areas that they're coming to you for?
4: You know, it it it, it really depends on what day of the week you're asking. Yeah. Uh, but I would say, just generally speaking, you know, right now because of what's going on in the accounting industry, you know, a significant portion of our business, maybe thirty or thirty-five percent, is M and A kind of work, uh, representing both mm-hmm. buyers and sellers. Uh, you know, succession is also driving um, revisiting partnership agreements, or you know, not all partnership agreements, but you know, the, sort of the agreements between members and partners. A lot of firms have uh, agreements in place, but they're just—they're not very relevant. For example, we have one client that we're working with that they, last time they did their partnership agreement was 1990, so almost wow. three decades ago. You know, uh, and a lot's changed in the accounting industry in the past three years, let alone the past three decades. Um, yeah, you know, we do a fair fair amount of partner and employee matters, and I alluded to it a little bit before. I mean, sometimes things just don't work out, and you need to help uh, exit partners or individuals, um, so we do a fair amount of that. Um, a, a good amount of risk, I'd say just sort of general risk management, which can be a lot of different things. I mean, we, we work on help clients with policies, conflicts of interest, I mean, some independence. I mean, you'd be surprised so many firms don't really have good independence pro, uh, policies. A fair amount of regulatory uh, stuff as well. I mean we deal with the state boards of accountancy and then one of my partners is very specialized in the area of investment advisors uh, registered mm-hmm. investment advisors in CPA firms, and how they come together and how those two regulatory schemes you know, uh, are integrated uh, and a lot of you know a lot of um, CPA firms are getting in the wealth management investment advisor space, and what we find is that they don 't fully understand how the uh, investment advisor regulations and the CPA uh, accountancy regulations uh, sort of are knitted together. Mm. And then Mm -hmm. there's probably, you know, a bunch of stuff. You know, you get to sort of... Random stuff. Random stuff. You know, and I say, too, you know, one of the things that we do a lot, um, and me in particular, is, you know, clients come to us because what they really want is an objective perspective with with Mm -hmm. someone who's got... Some experience, uh, and you know it's an overused phrase, but it's kind of appropriate. You know, it's a trusted advisor because they really can't, oftentimes can't talk to anybody else about it, about the, what's on their mind, because a lot of times it's about somebody else. Right? It's you know they've got a par- problem partner, or they're thinking about selling their business and they just don't really can't talk to anybody inside. So we you know, often act as a objective sounding board for managing partners of firms who just don't have any place else to turn. And they want some industry expertise and experience.
3: So quick question before we go to break. I mean, how many of your clients would you say are actually doing things proactively compared to, Oh my God, I'm in trouble. I need to talk to a lawyer.
4: Um, I would say, you know, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of it of the work we do is reactive. Yeah. So, but probably you know, eighty-five percent is reactive, and fifteen percent is you know, kind of proactive. Uh, most of the proactive stuff is in I would really say is in the M and A space, and obviously the partnership agreement space. Yeah. But I think both of them are driven by some sort of uh, precipitating event on the horizon that drives them to us.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. I, I was just going to say, do you need, like, a poker face when, when a, people come into you and say, we don't have a partner agreement or we haven't updated it since 1996? Like, are, you know, do you have to just be, like, non judgmental and sort of, you know, address the issue at hand? But it, how hard is that to do?
4: You know, I, I think that if you haven't gathered by now, I'm a pretty light person. <laughs> uh,
2: so, uh, yeah. So,
4: you know, if someone comes in and I haven't done uh, – you know, their partnership in 30 years, you know, my response is going to be, well, it's about time, don't you think? You might want to just update this. I'm just saying, you know. Uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. None of the founding, part, all, the founding partners are all gone and they're dead or something right now, so. Yeah. I'm pretty light with, with clients, and that's, you know, I, I, you know, when I started this business, I wanted to be the anti-lawyer. You know, I wanted yeah. to be unlike all the lawyers I knew.
3: Yeah. Um, So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking to Peter Fontaine all about his uh, law practice, Newgate Laws. Stay tuned.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
5: Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e-commerce, and point-of-sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you, too? Learn more at Avalara.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com.
1: Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com. Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: You are listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Padar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show.
3: Welcome back to Let's Get Radical. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm here with Jody Paydar. And our guest today is Peter Fontaine. He is the founder and managing partner of Newgate Law. And Newgate Law provides legal and risk management services exclusively to the accounting industry. So, Peter, you know, let's talk about your practice. You started it in uh, four years ago, and, you know, mostly you had been working in-house at accounting firms. Um, it, you know, what were the first things you did when you decided you wanted to start your own practice?
4: Well, the first thing I did, I think, uh, was I, I, I told people that I was starting this practice and why mm-hmm. I was starting this practice, and we've talked a little bit about that before, but it was really to offer a pretty unique, uh, specialized legal services that is affordable uh, to smaller uh, and mid-sized accounting firms that have typically relied on lawyers who don't know, you know, if I can be, again, tongue-in-cheek, yeah. don't know the difference between a debit and a credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... And as our name reflects, we uh, wanted to have a new kind of paradigm that uh, was radical. If we can, if I can use that expression, radical to what other uh, what was was the typical model and what uh, what accounting firms' experiences had been in the past.
2: So, 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 yeah, yeah, go ahead. I I was going to say, do most firms typically like use one of their clients as an attorney, or they use like the guy down the street, as opposed to going to a niche?
4: Uh, for sure, you know. I, I, Again, I say that they use their brother-in-law. Uh, uh-huh. so they use someone who they know, uh, who might be the guy down the street or a client or what have you, and they have this relationship with them. Um, but they don't—they don't. These individuals you know, have other uh, specialties and don't really know a whole lot about the accounting industry. And you see it reflected in some of the work that we see. Not that it's bad work; it's just that. Uh, you'll have provisions in agreements that uh, particularly partnership agreements that just don't work or in acquisition agreements that you know came out of a form book or was used, you know, to sell, you know, a, a donut shop.
3: And, and so how did you, I mean, who, who did you decide you wanted on your team? Like you, you started, you decided to open up this radical practice. Who did you hire? Who was your first hire?
4: Yeah, I, You know, in our models, in order to be, um, in in all honesty, in order to be uh, as efficient and as as affordable as possible, uh, I have uh, two other partners. um, But we typically, and they all, both of those people have uh, a lot of accounting firm experience. But we we hire. independent contractors who we know who have worked in the accounting industry or, or other professional services. And uh, we use them um, and leverage the work to them, again, to keep our costs low and to keep the expertise level high.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so, <clears throat> excuse me, in the four years that you've been in business, what have been some of your biggest lessons? What have you learned? What would you? Is there anything you would do differently, um, you know, let's reflect a little on the four years you've been in yeah. practice so
4: far. Sure. Well, uh, thanks. Uh, let's see. Let's I, take I, was this time fo- now. I was a philosophy major. That's why I went to I went to law school because I couldn't do anything with a philosophy degree. Okay. Uh, so uh, I'm happy to philosophize about it. You know, I would say that. Um, a couple of things. One is, you know, I, I built this practice, you know, uh, in a way I think that most people build practices, and that's to reach out to, uh, it- individuals that I either knew in the accounting industry or either personally or I knew by reputation. So we have Mm -hmm. uh, excellent relationships with a lot of consultants in the industry, including Jody, uh, Mm -hmm. who refer business to us because oftentimes they're confronted with the the same problem that their clients are. I mean, who can I uh, recommend or how can I make sure that whatever I'm doing for my clients, whether it be helping them with a compensation plan or uh, a retirement plan or governance plan, who can I rely on that can actually bring some expertise? So uh, you know, we have a very symbiotic relationship with a, you know, a number of consultants in the industry, and I'm sure you know, the names are all very familiar uh, with you uh, to you. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
4: So I would, if I were to do things differently, I would do that, but I would, only, I would do it uh, a lot more forcefully. Uh, than I maybe have, and Mm -hmm. I probably would just make uh, my profile a little larger than it is. But, you know, when I started this business and it has its ups and downs, uh, a very good friend of mine says, you know, you're not going to know whether this business has been successful uh, until you've been at it for five years, which I kind of said, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Can I wait five (laughs) years? I want it to be successful in five months. Right. Uh, But. We're coming up on five years. Got another year to go, and uh, the growth curve looks really, really. The slope is is pretty high, uh, so we're moving up in revenue pretty quickly. Uh, so, are your
3: are your relationships with clients mostly, um, you know, one offs, or like you know they hire you to do a contract, or they hire you to like you know work on an M and A situation, or are they sort of long term, or do you have like a mix?
4: I would say it's a mix, you know. So we yeah. get because we do a lot of work in the M and A space. We have a lot of sellers and we have a lot of buyers. The buyers mm-hmm. tend to be longer-term clients. The sellers, not so much. Right? Once their business mm-hmm. is sold, uh, they don't necessarily they don't call us very often. But sometimes they do. Uh, you know, for example, as I said before, we have a um, a really a niche niche in the investment advisor CPA world. So we have some clients who actually go into firms uh, because they are doing some investment advisor work, and they and they get acquired because the acquiring the buyer wants that expertise. So we'll help the actually help end up helping the buyer uh, with starting up, for example, an investment advisor practice. And interestingly enough, you know, we'll we'll represent sellers, and because and you know, again, not to sound too supercilious and in all humility uh, that. So the buyers sometimes retain us and, you know, um, use their other lawyers for some something else of the you, you know, sort of the traditional accounting stuff that we do because they like what they do and they know, you know, that we're affordable and responsive and all the things you want out of your professional service providers.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, and that seems to be like the hot topic today is succession. That's all anybody is talking about. Do you think it's good or bad for the profession as a whole? Well, that's, Uh Succession. succession or? Do you think it's a good thing that like all these firms are getting acquired, or a bad thing, or do you think that it's just kind of meant to be?
4: I think it's more of what's meant to be. Uh, you know, I mean, we all know the demographics, and the demographics say that there's, there's going to be a turnover. You know, the PCPS publishes that's the survey every couple of years on. Uh, on the uh, profile of the industry. And the, this, this past year, the one that came out in 2016, said that there's going to be a 35% turnover in the owners of CPA firms within the next three to five years. Well, that's driving a lot of the succession planning uh, that's going on. And I, I use succession planning sort of very broadly because it can be anything from actually having a succession plan to having your succession plan, I'm going to sell my, you know, practice I mean, interestingly enough, the smaller firms, uh, you know, the firms say less than a million dollars, uh, their succession plan is to uh, close the door someday and go play golf. They don't really have a succession plan. Right. Probably 75% of the smaller firms, they don't have a succession plan at all. Uh, but it, it's a huge uh, – obviously, it's a huge issue for the, the – um, The profession right now, and what, you know, we find is that, you know, going back to the the whole partnership agreements, uh, if you look at some of the partnership agreements that we see, the retiring partners, the the deals that they have, uh, their their retirement benefits are so rich, they're unaffordable. The firms, you know, will collapse if they actually have to pay that much money. Uh, of course, the expectation is I'm going to get, you know, if I'm a, just to say use an example, I'm going to make the math easy. Uh, so if I'm a $10 million firm and I own a 10% interest or 15% interest in it, then I'm going to get $1.5 million when I retire. Well, because I own a 10% interest in it, well, I mean, that's just, or 15% interest, that's just not realistic for a lot of firms. They can't afford to pay the partners, they can't afford to promote anybody, and they can't afford to invest in growth of their business. So, what we're finding is just a lot of the uh, these retirement benefit plans are just not workable, and they need to be mm. reworked.
2: Well, right, and the young uh, owners don't want to buy them. Right, they're saying, "Forget it. Why yeah. would I? Why would I buy into this?"
4: Yeah, not only do they not want to buy into it just because they can't afford it, but they just you know they don't want to buy into it. It's it's. <laughs> You know when I was you know started Arthur Anderson becoming a partner of Arthur Anderson was like you know you died and gone to heaven until the firm collapses and you lose you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of capital, but that's another conversation uh, but, uh, finally paid off my loan a few years ago uh, but uh you know they just they don't want, they don't want to do it they don't want to be tied to the firm they don't want to make the that investment in the firm they're just a different um uh, mental state that the younger people have. So that's why you see a lot of firms, you know, obviously merging up because they don't have anyone to buy them and they don't really have any other way to monetize the goodwill of their business. So they, how
2: are uh, the the CPAs uh, adjusting to that? Are they like all grumbly thinking like I, I put all this time in, I did all this stuff. I thought I was going to get a million dollar payout or a million five payout. And now you're telling me my business is worth a half a million dollars and I'm not prepared. And uh, are they just grumpy or like, what's their response?
4: Well, I think the uh, response is across a pretty broad spectrum, right? It was part, one of the responses, geez, I knew this was going to happen and I didn't realize I was going to turn around one day and be 63 years of age and not have a succession plan. Uh, and then, you know, some of them really are genuinely grumpy, as you said, They and, and they're <laughs> No matter they're what happens, they're too. Grumpy, yeah, yeah. no, that's right. They're just yeah, exactly. They're just, <laughs> just grumpy old men. Uh, but uh, but, uh, but they but they become they panic right because they realize that um, they don't really have any plan. And you know, part of the problem is that, is that uh, the, there's a real importance in transition. So if you cannot transition clients, uh, then there's l- much uh, less of an interest in acquiring a firm. So if you're, you know, we've got a lot of clients that are in their mid to, you know, 66, 67 years of age, and they, they can't understand why no one wants to buy their firm. Well, because they know that you're your way short, and the, and the likelihood of the, cl- of the client transition going smoothly is pretty small. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Coupled with technology
2: that, I mean, and all the other changes. It's ripe.
4: Yeah. it's uh, and, and and I feel bad for a lot, a lot of the clients because they just, you know, they, they want me to give them a pill to make it go away. Uh, and I can't because yeah. Yeah. there is no pill for a firm that's got, you know, a 72-year-old partner and a 68-year-old partner. There's just no pill for that.
2: Wow. Yeah. So, On that note, we're going to go to break, but when we come back, we're going to talk all about alternative practice structures. So stay tuned.
1: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content... Press releases branded content and consulting visit rhinogirlmedia.com
5: tax compliance can be a pain for businesses but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing it's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e commerce, and point of sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at Avalara.com. That's A V A L A R A.com.
1: Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Listening to Let's Get Radical with Jody Padar and Liz Gold. To reach the show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to Jody and Liz at letsgetradical.org. Now, back to the show.
2: Welcome back. I'm Jody Payner, and I'm here with Liz Gold, and you are listening to Let's Get Radical. And before um, we get back into our great discussion, I do have to give a quick shout out to Intuit for sponsoring our show. So thank you, Intuit. Um, We've been talking with Peter Fontaine of Newgate Law. He's the managing partner there. And from what we understand now, he is the world dominator in alternative practice structures. Wow. And. And so it's pretty exciting to me and it's pretty radical because I think alternative um, practice structures have to go into the future because the partnership model isn't working too well for CPAs in succession. Would you agree with that? And what's on the horizon for alternative practice structures,
4: Peter? Sure, and it is it is a dubious honor to be the undisputed you know world expert in alternative practice structures. With um, <laughs> that said, uh, you know alternative practice structures have been around for quite a while. And let me just sort of briefly tell you what those are, and that's where you split the attest the the, the attest practice, which requires license to practice public accounting, from the non attest, which can be anything from tax. Consulting and a gazillion other things, outsourcing and bookkeeping and accounting, and and, and sort of not. The the, the part of the practice does not require a license to practice public accounting. And uh, two firms that I was associated with, American Express Tax and Business Services, and then RSM McGladdery and McGladdery in Poland, operated in the alternative practice structure like CBIS. Does and UHY uh, advisors and UHY LLP. Um, but what we're seeing is, and what I think why we're seeing this uh, resurgence of or a, a, a growing interest in this sort of older model is because the non-attest practices of the uh, of these alternative practice structures are being funded by private equity uh, and then in some instances like CBIS can, can be publicly traded. So what we're seeing is we're seeing an influx of. Uh, Interest as well as cash into uh, the accounting industry basically to um, get rid of the obligations that are uh, due to retired or retiring partners.
2: And And, is the private equity coming in because of the technology as well? I mean, is like the whole idea of the technology that's doing a lot of the work influencing
4: this? Yeah, for sure. It, It is because... I think that the the way that the private equity folks are going to cash out and get you know sort of a distribution of the profits is going to be through efficiencies, and it's going to come from right. technology, and it's going to become come from combining uh, numbers of firms. So again, you know, so you get as they you know the old used expression that you get economies of scale, uh, and some of uh, offshoring of, of personnel, et cetera. So they, they're bringing money, investment money as, as well as money to invest to sort of in the infrastructure as well as, um, money to buy out the partners.
2: So do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing?
4: Alternative practice structures? Yeah. Uh, I, I I'm not sure I would say, I, I don't know if they're a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I would say they are a thing that's going to I think is going to happen if I was going to make a prediction and you know I like to make predictions Jody. Um my prediction would be that it, it's going to be an increasing uh, it's going to be used more as a vehicle to monetize the interests of um accounting firms, retiring partners. Um and it it does create some it does create some regulatory, you know, um Complications because you know the state boards of accountancy are not they don't particularly like it, uh, but nonetheless, there's really nothing they can do about it because it's totally within the scope of the regulations. So, uh, and,
3: and what do is you it, think what is the, the resistance? I'm sorry, what's the resistance from the from the societies?
4: I think the, from the from the. Um, from the state boards of accountancy, the resistance is, is is that they well, first of all, it's new and different, and you know, and all due respect to the state boards of accountancy, they're not the most radical thinking uh, organizations, <laughs> right? Right. right. Uh, so they, if it if it doesn't really fall squarely in the model that they're used to, which is you know, consolidated tax audit tax and consulting accounting firms, they see they think there's something you know something wrong with it, uh, and mm. but. They, it's become, you know, like again, uh, you know, RSM and McGladrey and McGladrey and Poland operated that way. CBIS has operated that way for you know, decades, as you know, so, so did McGladrey and Poland and RSM McGladrey, And it's just sort of a fact of life that the state boards, they don't, may not necessarily like it, but there's not much they can do about it.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. And do you think that this is being driven by the commoditization of audit and tax? Is this playing into that as well?
4: Um, I think so, you know, clearly, because, you know, obviously what does commoditization mean? It means that um, a product or a service is sold basically on price, right? They're all the same, and price drives it. So obviously when the prices are driven down for audit and tax, uh, it's less profits to distribute to the partners. Um, so, again, the partners are looking for a way – so if you're, if, you're, if you're a firm and you've got a couple of retired partners – uh, well where does that money come from to pay off the retired partners? Well it comes from partner, you know, the partner compensation pool. That's less money right. to distribute to um, the, the the active partners. So if you've got less money dropping to the bottom line, you've got these retirement obligations, you've got less money dropping to the bottom line because you've got the you know commoditization of taxes and audit. Um less money's dropping to the bottom line, that means we gotta find some money someplace else. <laughs> you know. Uh, so if you've got a, you know private equity or other investors that want to dump some money into your practice, relieve you of the obligation to pay your retired partners, and keep your comp you know on the in a positive slope as opposed to a negative slope. That's that's very attractive. Right, so, and, and, and I guess that, to, to maintain your autonomy too, right? So that's the other thing that interest uh, accounting firms is that for the most part, if you get absorb if you get bought you lose your, your autonomy, you, you lose your culture, you lose your, you know, you lose things, right? So if you have someone that comes in and wants to pay you money and lets you continue kind of doing what you're doing, it's not a bad thing. So do you see
2: kind of all the, like, the, the landscape changing in that it's going to be lots of really big firms and then, like, really small firms and, like, everyone in the middle is going to kind
4: of go away? Um, I think that I think the bigger firms want to get bigger, right? And I think that you know you often have to you ask the question: Is bigger better? I mean, sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. But if you if you take a look at partner comp, uh, partner comp in in size are linear, right? The bigger the firms, they tend to pay their partners more money. But also, I think a lot of what, uh, a lot of firms are. Um, vying for a position, right, in the top 20 accounting firms in the country because size tends to and brand tends to attract not only clients, but it also attracts employees. And as we know, the industry is starved for talent. So if you're a larger firm and you have a very strong, well-recognized brand, people would rather work for Deloitte than they would, I think, for the most part. I mean, not everybody, obviously, but uh, it can be more attractive than working for, you know, a, a two and a half million dollar firm in Mount Prospect, Illinois. No disrespect. Right. Maybe but maybe
5: <laughs> not
3: Deloitte right now because right. of the whole breach that it just happened. Yeah. But
4: right taken, yes. So you're seeing a lot of roll ups and, and if you look at what you know again if you go back to the PCPS's most recent survey, what you find, and much to my sort of surprise, is that but it's my surprise, but by the same token my experience would wear it out. There's a lot of interest in firms, uh, by, by very large firms, in firms that you know are on the two million dollar mark, uh, mm. and I think that that is driven by a, a number of things. One is that uh, you know firms uh, are looking to expand geographically um, because you know at some point your presence in a market gets saturated. You can't do any more. You can't get any more penetration. So you got to move to other markets. And then more, probably more importantly, um, firms are looking for, because of the commoditization of tax and audit, they're looking for specialty services that uh, give, command higher margins than, you know, a 1040 business. Right.
2: Right. And what about all these people who merge and then have to unmerge? How, how big is that? I mean, like, are, do people what? make good decisions no. when they merge? Or do they have to unmerge?
4: Yeah, I would say for the most part, firms stick together. But I I would say, you know, what we've found is an uptick in uh, the demerger clauses that go into uh, acquisition agreements because firms are not sure. uh, And and a lot of firms are afraid that they're going to lose their identity when they move into a larger firm, particularly if you're moving into a larger firm. They feel like they're going to be losing their identity. And and they actually lose – maybe actually lose some of their income because what you, what you find is, you know, it used to be in the old days, uh, firms would get bought based upon top-line revenue. Virtually nobody does that anymore. Uh, it's almost always based on collections. So what you mm. see happen sometimes is that a smaller firm will merge into a larger firm and then automatically the rates go up, you know, whatever, 25 30 50%, and you lose uh-huh. clients because your rates are high. Her. And then, secondly, you know, the larger firms, I, I say sometimes the, the larger firms uh, buy uh, firm, smaller firms like you would buy an abandoned storage locker uh, or a storage, right? Uh, so you, you kind of don't fully understand exactly what's inside of that firm, but you mm-hmm. get in there and you realize that, you know, 80% of it's great, but 20% of it's not so much. So what we see is that. Larger firms, we'll, they'll start going to partners and saying, hey, you know, um, we just don't really want your client anymore. You know, you got, you know, a lot of $1,000, 1040 clients or whatever. Pick, pick a number, right? Uh, and that's really not the business we want to be in. So you've got to get rid of those clients and replace them with wow. some other clients. And people are saying, well, it's not really what I signed up for. I signed up to kind of have a status quo ante. Uh,
1: and now right. you're telling
4: me that my comp's going to go down. Because, you know, my buyout's going to get down because you're only going to pay me on the clients that that actually continue with me. And then secondly, you're telling me to get rid of my clients. So we're seeing a lot of firms wanting wanting sort of what, you know, Mike, we sometimes, you know, colloquially call the unhappy clause. I'm unhappy. I want to get out of it.
3: Are you writing about this, Peter? Because it seems like it would be good, compelling content. Especially the I'm comparison to. to a storage to a storage <laughs> unit that people are buying yeah. and they don't know what the, what's inside. I think yeah, that's exactly. a really good visual. <laughs> it is. <right>. Um. <laughs>
4: they, you know, <laughs> I'm trying, you know, but Liz, I mean, it, it, it's, it's it's tough to serve clients and write and yeah. But, you know, we just recently did you. an article on. Uh, I call it the physics of accounting firm mergers, and basically took um, Newton's three laws of motion uh, and turned them into a, you know, a discussion on the or in the merger and acquisition world in the accounting industry. And I, a lot of people love that article, actually. So, but anyway, so maybe I should do one on the storage units. Yeah,
3: I think so. Unit. I, I think like it's the, really okay. clear that you know it's a very good <laughs> metaphor. So, um, okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking to Peter Fontaine. So, stay tuned.
1: Are you a small business ready to work remotely with a CPA who is passionate and radical? New Vision CPA Group is a firm that understands the latest cloud technologies and will work with you for a fixed monthly price. We understand that tax and accounting are important, but the everyday insight into your financial data that helps you make critical financial decisions is priceless. We're with you every step of the way at New Vision CPA Group. Visit newvisioncpagroup.com today for more information. Advance and evolve. Liz Gold, owner of Rhino Girl Media, provides a wide range of services to those looking to get their message out into the world. Her specialty is simplifying the complex, finding the juice in any story, and helping people find their voice. Rhino Girl Media is a communications and media company that promotes the innovative and creative work of business people, independent artists, and nonprofit organizations. For writing, editing, blog posts, web content, press releases, branded content, and consulting, visit rhinogirlmedia.com.
5: Tax compliance can be a pain for businesses, but Avalara's powerful tax automation technology simplifies sales tax and other business taxes with real-time tax calculation and automatic return filing. It's simple to get started because Avalara works inside your accounting, e commerce, and point of sale systems. That's why thousands of the world's best businesses outsource their tax compliance with Avalara. Shouldn't you too? Learn more at Avalara.com. That's A V A L A R A.com.
1: you're listening to let's get radical with jody Pedar and liz gold to reach the show today please call 1-866-472-5790 again that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to jody and liz at let's get now back to the show
3: Welcome back to Let's Get Radical. I'm Liz Gold, and I'm here with Jody Paydar, and our guest today is Peter Fontaine uh, from the Newgate from Newgate Law. And we've been hearing a lot about the intersection of accounting and law liar, lowering, <laughs> attorneying. The lawyering. <laughs> um, no, it's, I it's, do? A, yeah, it's been a very interesting conversation, and and so Peter, you know. I, obviously a lot of accountants go for, the, go for the niches, you know, they're building out specialty services and, you know, one particular niche I'm interested in is the cannabis niche and, you know, more CPAs are slowly getting into that. Um, but they're still few and far between because they don't want to take on the risk. But what, what are you seeing in that area is specifically cannabis and, in, in, in other specialty services that um, people want to take on?
4: Yeah, I, so what we're seeing is because, as we talked in the last segment, um, the, the commoditization uh, and, and of tax and audit uh, and the low margins that result from that are really driving people to look for places where they can deliver high value and charge high fees for them. Um, but what we find is that, although it sounds like a good idea, there's a lots of areas that firms are getting into, and they don't really fully understand uh, – what they're, what, what they're getting into. They don't understand the type of clients that they're getting into. They don't understand necessarily, in some instances, the regulatory requirements mm-hmm. of it. They may not have the expertise to do it. They think that mm-hmm. they do, but the industries are different. I mean, I'll give you... I want to talk about cannabis, but just, just to briefly mention another one, um, Help health, the healthcare services industry, you know, that's overlaid with what they call HIPAA, which has a lot mm-hmm. of regulations which uh, relate to the privacy of healthcare information. Uh, and being... And the regulatory scheme there is very very complicated, and people firms go into it you know with not, uh, really not with their eyes wide open and what what the the compliance requirements are and the costs associated with it um, you know the cannabis industry, as you said uh, Liz is just you know uh, is sort of expanding very, very rapidly, but it's kind of an interesting regulatory problem or a legal problem because, as we all know, marijuana, for better or for worse, is a controlled substance under the federal law. So you can't, distri- you can't make it, you can't sell it, you can't distribute it. Uh, but state laws obviously um, have a different point of view on it. Maybe some would call it an enlightened point of view, but any event. Uh, so we have the intersection of the federal and the state laws, uh, and it's, it's largely a cash business. Um, mm-hmm. so that makes it, and you can't get bank accounts or you, it, that's changing, but you can't get bank accounts. So the whole problem of running these businesses, like a cash business and how you make your required payments to the internal revenue service, uh, your quarterlies, as well as your, and your withholdings, uh, to both on the federal and state level, when you have a cash business is you know, kind of an interesting problem. Uh, there's tax issues that people don't fully understand and the government doesn't fully understand them with respect to what's deductible. Uh, and what's not deductible. And nothing's been
2: litigated before, right? So lawyers always go back to old case law, and if there's no cases on it, then it's really expensive to have a lawyer try and litigate something, correct? Yeah,
4: it is. It is difficult, and you never know how the Internal Revenue Service is going to view something. I mean, there have been some uh, memorandums by legal counsel inside of the IRS that have taken various positions. For example, the, the IRS is not going to prosecute anybody uh, who is involved in the cannabis industry? But what they will do, is, unless you take the proper deductions, uh, they will, you know, there will be penalties and in interest, right? And they may just allow certain expenses. Uh, I mean, just to kind of give you an example so you cannot deduct an expense. You can uh, deduct the cost of goods sold for cannabis, so, you know, what it costs to actually make the stuff, but mm-hmm. you can't deduct your rent, you can't deduct your right. telephone, your internet expenses, and all that other kind of stuff, right? Uh, so what normal businesses can take as a deduction, the cannabis industry cannot, right? And then you have the whole, uh, you know, and I'll do deference to the people that are in the cannabis industry. It was a controlled substance, and a lot of the clients that you may get may have, shall we say, che- a checkered past, right? Uh, they used mm-hmm. to be part of an illegal drug industry, right? So you've got to be very careful about who your clients are uh, and whether, you know, they are going to be the kind of clients that you want. So it's just. Uh, cannabis is an excellent example of something that's coming, you know, uh, coming on pretty strong, but it, it's just fraught with all sorts of legal uh, and risk management issues that a lot of firms don't completely understand. And we get to quite with question all the time.
3: Right. About- so hashtag you really have to know what you're doing. I mean you can't you just do. go into it and like yeah. wing it. Right, because yeah, you're—I exactly. mean, your you're, you're license is at risk too. You know, so yeah, no, yeah. So,
4: exactly. um, yeah. Like so, that, we, so for, I mean, for example, you know, most uh, insurance policy, professional liability policies exclude uh-huh. you know illegal activity. Well, if you are you know conspiring, you know, and that was what the argument would be—you're conspiring with in an illegal, in an illegal drug industry on the federal level, then. And you file a tax return that needs to be amended and fixed and pay penalties and interest on it, you may not get in, you may not get any coverage and get a professional liability associated with it. It may not be covered by your policy. Right, 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 right. So you got to know your stuff.
3: So Peter, this time. has been amazing. Thank you so much for being on our show. We have to. We're running out of time here. We could talk sure, forever. It seems for hours. Like. <laughs> um, I know. Learning so much. well stuff invite here. me back. <laughs> Um, but yes, thank you so much. how can people get in touch with you and find your firm?
4: Well, the, the best way probably is email and that's okay. Fontaine at newgatelaw.com.
3: Okay, awesome. And um you know, thank you for listening to Let's Get Radical. We're on iTunes and Stitcher. you can follow us um, on Facebook and we have a couple more shows coming up and Jody, what else do we need to announce?
2: just leave us some love. So we love reviews. So leave us some love on, uh, on iTunes.
3: Yeah. And you can also send us an email at Jody and Liz at let's get And we have a ton. I mean, I'm saying a ton of archives of really amazing business owners who are out there doing it, um, in all sorts of industries, you know, and as I like to say, the people who love them. So, um, check it out. And, um yeah, it's been a pleasure. Peter, thank you so much for being on the show My today. Pleasure. And um we will talk to you soon.
1: Alrighty. Thanks. Much for tuning in to Let's Get Radical. Please join Liz Gold and Jody Paydar again next Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week it's time for you to get radical. Let's Get Radical is brought to you by Avalara, sales tax automation for businesses of all sizes. Visit us on the web at avalera.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A dot com.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com.